Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us in the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal, who's just at the moment trying to pay off the mortgages of his many houses because he shares the same dire concerns about poverty as uh, Hillary Clinton does. Isn't that right, Bill? It is. You know, if, it's, if I had an $8 million book contract and I knew my spouse was about to get about a $15 million book contract, I, I would feel the pressures of middle-class America. You know, and I was buying a mansion in Chappaqua and a mansion in Northwest D.C., I mean, it's such a wonderful example of Hillary Clinton trying to empathize with the normal people, with the regular people, and uh, I think just ex- emphasizing the the gap between her and uh, most of us. You know, so yes, ladies no, and gentlemen. Noemi Emery, I think in the Weekly Standard about a year ago, Noemi Emery described Hillary Clinton as, you know, as a Mitt Romney without the decency <laughs> of Mitt Romney. There it's you go, ladies and gentlemen. Wrong. More hate from Bill there Crystal. You go. Bill, there you go. they've only made $109 million since leaving the White House. Do you know how hard it is to live in Westchester County on $109 million? I lived in New Rochelle for a while, and I'll tell you, it's tough. Yeah, I'm sure it was for you, and uh, I'm sure it has been for, for, for Mr. and Mrs. Clinton. And uh, Yeah, but you know, she makes up for the lack of empathy with such so many interesting things to say about the country. <laughs> and its future. I'm sure you've been, haven't you just been on the edge of your seat as you watch one of these interviews? After a another? page turner. Uh, Hillary Clinton's book is a page turner. I, I think that she thinks that we should uh, press forward to the future with great hope. I mean, it is, one of my colleagues here described it as, uh, it's like the worst commencement speeches you've ever had to sit through, <laughs> stitched together to 600 pages worth. Oh. I mean, it's one cliche, one anodyne bromide after another. Everyone she worked with is wonderful, and uh, and they're all doing the right thing for the country, and there's some tough choices, but, you know, life is full of tough choices. I mean, it really is. A, it will be of no interest to historians, unlike some other memoirs, which really do tell you about, you know, foreign policy or domestic policy in interesting times. Um, and I think, but of course, she doesn't care whether it's of interest to historians. It's a campaign document. But I'm deeply dubious that it's a very good campaign document either. But this is the question. Does Hillary Clinton have to do anything to win something close to a majority of the votes if she decides to run and gets into a popular vote election with a Republican. Because in ways I'm looking at this going, you know, this feels like this cake has been baked since like 2008. It's been, of course, Hillary's going to be president. Of course, she's going to follow the step. Of course, any criticism of her is nothing but hatred of the Clintons. There are no policies discussed, no issues. Forget She can't name a tax rate because she doesn't have to name a tax rate bill because this is just about fulfilling history. Well, that's what they want you to believe. I do think a lot of their strategy is, uh, this was the strategy in 2008. It didn't work, but I guess they think it might this time. The It's inevitable, it's time, ready for Hillary. I mean, even think of that slogan. But I don't know. I think to win a, pre- a presidential election, history suggests at least, you can't just be, it's very hard if it's just your turn or if you're portraying yourself as inevitable. Certainly that's not what Obama did. It's not what Reagan did. It's not what Bill Clinton did. They all had agendas, George W. Bush too, actually. Agendas they ran on, the formulations, compassionate conservatism, new Democrat, whatever, that were kind of interesting and a little bit striking. Agendas that were a departure from the past. I mean, you can't even begin to think what her agenda is in foreign or domestic policy. She doesn't, it doesn't really occur to her that she should have one, so far as one can tell. I'm sure they'll turn out formulaic position papers and whatnot, but what is her sense of where she wants to take the country? Well, she wants to be the country's first woman president. That's really what it comes down to, I think. But, you know, uh, if you'd ask people what was Ike's agenda, I right. don't know that they'd have had one. It was just, we like Ike. 
he did something big, he represents something in history, and I think for a certain segment of voters, that's how they look at Hillary. I just, I just like Hillary. I've, I've been through the, you know, the my political past. I had to take her side at different times because I had to hate Newt Gingrich. I had to hate Republicans. I had to stand by Bill, or whatever. I had to defend, uh, you know, abortion rights, whatever the reason was. And so I joined this team, and now my team is back on the field again. And I know that they don't really have any connection to the games, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the games up until now. They kind of showed up in the playoffs. So I have no idea how, but I just know I'm Team Hillary. And I, I hear a lot of that sentiment, particularly from low information voters, Bill, and from women uh, voters, including really smart, informed women voters who seem to just say, doesn't matter what I know, I'm with Hillary. Well, yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, I mean, there are a couple of things there, I think. One, I mean, she, Eisenhower did get away with not having much of an agenda, but he was Eisenhower who had won World War II. So that's a little different. I mean, Hillary's trying to convey the impression that she's done a lot in her life, all those hard choices she makes. She can't really specify many of them. And, you know, she, her defenders have had trouble even specifying anything particular she did as Secretary of State. Her core claim seems to be that we were in very bad shape when she took over and she's restored America's standing in the world. I, I really honestly think that's just a ludicrous claim. I mean, let's look around the world. So I think she has a real problem in that respect. She was, she's been a fail, Secretary of State as part of an administration whose foreign policy is failing. Eisenhower was general in a war that we won, to say the least. And people had the sense that he would have the strength to perhaps manage the Cold War as he'd had the strength to help lead to victory in World War II. I do think there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of identity politics that helps Hillary and a lot of just kind of familiarity and they've been through battles with her. I think that will be good enough for Democrats. Maybe she could do a little bit with the first woman president. That, that has a certain appeal, obviously. But I, I just think, I don't know, uh, even there, I should think Elizabeth Warren would be much stronger because she'd be fresh, she'd be new, isn't it a little embarrassing, honestly, if you're a feminist that the first woman president is the wife of a previous male president? I mean, that's not that's not what feminism was about. I mean, whatever you think of Elizabeth Warren or Claire McCaskill or other people who are female politicians who made it on their own, they made it, you know? They defeated people for office when they were unknown. They came up the hard way. Uh, Hillary Clinton was first lady of the United States, and then she sort of catapulted, catapulted into a Senate seat in New York catapulted into the Secretary of State position and now she thinks she's waltzing into the into the into the Democrat the Democratic nomination and I suppose then into the White House. I, I just find it hard to believe that America's gonna uh, want that. Yeah, I'm one of those uh, tiny few who think that I, I'm still not sure she's going to run. I just think at a certain point when she looks up to the hill and sees what she has to do and uh, you know, she doesn't want it the way Bill did, I, I just even wonder. Because something that's come out already in just the last 48 hours is how little she has to say. She has to keep talking until late in 2016. And you saw, Bill, just like we, we've been mocking her for the comment about income, et cetera. She, she's not the kind of person that people, you know, uh, when Bill Clinton talked, you could just kind of lay back and let the butter just you know, kind of roll over you. But with Hillary Clinton, you don't get that, there's that visceral pleasure from it. Man, talk about a hard, you know, a, a dish to keep feeding people for the next three years. I totally agree. I mean, she, you know, you watch those interviews and, you know, this 12 minutes long, whatever, you get the impression in her mind, she's thinking only three minutes left. I could make it through without making a mistake. And mm -hmm. I just think it's not really fun to watch. Most politicians who are successful 
they have a lot they want to say. Most of them have too much that they want to say, and they want to talk too much because they think they know everything. But I, I mean, I did it with Ted Cruz last night, for example, and, and he made a joke. Sometimes he goes on a little long. Sometimes in answer to questions or in, in you know, in, in laying out a position. It was a small group off the record, but but that's because he actually has knows a lot about these issues and really wants to convince you that he's right if if you're not convinced, or he wants to show how he's going to convince the American people that we need to go on a different course. And and Obama was like that in his way, and of course Reagan and and Bill Clinton. George W. Bush, some of them were less loquacious than others, but one always had the sense there was a kind of drive, a kind of passion, a kind of conviction that led them to want to to uh, to have that job. Some others, I suppose, ran for president more because it was kind of the next step up, uh, and, and there was a little less of that passion and conviction. But even there with someone like the first president, Bush, there was a sense of a duty to the country and, and, and the culmination of a political career and a service to the country that I think was pretty authentic. And um, maybe there's a little bit of that with Hillary Clinton, but but it seems so much more staged and artificial with her. And I and I do think, um, you know, Bush. The only time a party has held the White House for three successive terms since World War II was when Bush won in '88. That was really Reagan's third term. Reagan was a very successful president. I don't think Bush ever would have won if he hadn't been Reagan's vice president. So Hillary is in a comparable position. She's in effect to Obama as Bush was to Reagan. But I don't think Obama's going to go out in 2016 as a very successful president. And so I don't see that Hillary has enough sort of pizzazz on her own to elevate her above wherever Obama's standing is. Maybe she gets an extra point or two for being the first woman. But I really like the chances of a younger, aggressive, idea-driven Republican against Hillary. And that's one of the questions I wanted to close with is, some Republicans are spending quite a bit of time talking about Hillary Clinton. Obviously, if you're on any of the cable shows, that's pretty much all they're going to let you talk about. But is the right way for Republicans to run for the next two and a half years to be talking about Hillary? Or what would you think of my idea, which is to have a Republican out saying, I promise if I'm your nominee, I will not even mention Hillary, even if she's my opponent, because she's so much of the distant past and we've got so much, so many great reforms we can do to fix the future. I, I think it's a good idea, and I very much agree with that. I, mean, I think we, you know, people like uh, the Weekly Standard and others can uh, examine the book and have good articles about how she's distorting her record on Israel and why she didn't do well in, in other parts of the world and, and, and so forth. But I, I couldn't agree more. This is not going to be, this is the, an open seat election. Obviously, some criticism of the Obama administration in general is important for Republicans to lay out, but mostly voters want to know where are we going now. They don't want to be chastised for having voted for Obama twice. They don't want to be, uh, you know, they don't want to have everything relitigated from the past. So I, I very much think this will be a forward looking election. Open seat elections usually are. I think the Republicans are helped by having younger candidates who I think. Again, whatever one one likes more or less, I think a lot of them are going to have a sense that they're going to try to lay out an agenda for the future. Hillary hasn't done that at all. Now, maybe she can. Maybe she can pivot to do it. George H.W. Bush, getting back to that one example, overtake, overtook Dukakis in 88, mostly because Reagan was strong. Partly because Dukakis was such a miserable candidate. But partly because Bush himself did in his convention speech lay out a little bit of a vision for the future that was a little different and, and, and somewhat compelling to people. Um, but uh, with Hillary, this I don't even know if she has a sense that she has to do that. I mean, she's so much, it's so much of a coronation. And I get, I, I'm, I really don't think it's going to work. I think she'll be weaker in six weeks, if you look at polls, than she was when she launched this whole thing a few days ago. And I agree with you. I am not 100% certain she will run. You know, the fact is, if she uh, 
kind of uh, becomes the grand dame of American politics now, but doesn't run, she will be respected, treated incredibly well. I think history will be probably kinder to her than, than it should be. But uh, if she runs and, and doesn't win, then she's a two-time loser. Whatever happens in the campaign, whatever mistakes she makes, whatever happens in the debates, uh, that's the last memory people have of her, not as a you know, leaving as a Secretary of State, who at least the mainstream media and the Democratic Party are, are claiming. So I think there's a real risk to her running, and especially if she, if, she think, if she thinks she might lose. I'm curious how she's enjoying this four or six weeks of, of the book tour, too. One doesn't look at her. She doesn't seem to be a happy warrior. You sort of do have to like doing this and want to do this, or have you, do you have some motive for doing this more than just it's the next box to check, and I, I really don't see that with her. Bill Crystal, as two people who've watched people up close run for president, you telling me that we should trust someone with the office who actually enjoys doing the insane things you have to do well, to get elected president? That's a fair point. Enjoy may be too strong, <laughs> but has the real conviction that there's something he wants to do for the country, right. I think. I, Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time here on the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.